This is the Sheffield Vineyard Podcast. We love Jesus and we want to be a people that follow him with all of our lives. We love our city of Sheffield and we want to see it full of people who are full of the life that Jesus has to offer. Talk in sheffieldvineyard.org, you should find a link for it, which, which Josh did. And um, it, a really great talk because he, he, he shared with us uh, Jesus sending out 72 disciples. And then Josh explained very carefully the, the instructions that Jesus gave to them and the reasons for those instructions. Well, in today's talk, which follows on from that one, we're going to look at um, these disciples coming back to Jesus, their report and what Jesus said to them. And as, as Alex said, our theme for today is all about the joy of discipleship. Now, I guess, I don't know about you, but I don't very often talk about joy. I don't say, oh, I'm full of joy today. I might say, oh, I'm feeling happy. So I thought it would be good if we just talked a little bit about um, happiness, first of all, and some of the things which make us happy, and then we can kind of contrast that with, with joy, which is very much a, a, a Bible word or a Christian word. Um, so here are a few examples of things that might make us happy. If I get a good mark in my exam, I am very happy. If I put on new clothes that I have just bought at H&M, I will feel so happy because I am mega cool. If I go out with my mates to the pub, I'll be happy. If I sit down and listen to Adele, I will be so happy. If I take part in a 10K, and especially if I beat my best time, I'll be happy. That's not me, okay? <laughs> if I have a nice meal at Nando's with a couple of glasses of wine, I'll be happy. Maybe too happy. <laughs> Um, if I get an amazing job, I'll be happy. Um, more seriously, if people say they like me, I'll be happy. If I can find a life partner, I'll be really happy. That was my cry for a long time. If I win the lottery, then I'll know what it is to be happy. No, 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 no. Forget it. If you want to be unhappy, win the lottery, okay? <laughs> now, did you notice that all those examples had one word in common? That's the word if. In other words, if I can do something great, I'll be happy. If I have this, whatever it is, this stuff or whatever, I will be happy. In other words, my happiness depends on my circumstances. But joy... Joy is very different. Now, shortly we'll be reading today's passage, and in that we read that Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And joy comes from the work of the Spirit in our lives. It doesn't come as a result of our circumstances and good things happening and so on. And we saw this very clearly back in Luke chapter 6. I can't remember when we did this, but quite a while ago. 
uh, 6.22, Jesus says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil, because the Son of Man, because of the Son of Man, that's Jesus, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Wow, I don't think that would be on my list of things that make us happy. If somebody tells, tells me that they hate me today, oh, I'll be so happy. I don't think so, not, not unless I'm a masochist. But I can rejoice. I think it was the, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians somewhere, sorrowful but always rejoicing. I think this is something only the Holy Spirit can help us to do. And today we're going to look at Luke 10, 17 to 24. And we'll see the word joy or rejoice comes out three times. And so we're going to examine each of these. So let's read the passage, Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now, I mentioned earlier that the word joy or rejoice comes out three times. The first of these is the disciples rejoicing over something, and that was okay. The second one was Jesus telling them to rejoice, and that was really amazing. And the third one is, is Jesus rejoicing over something, which perhaps is not often on our happiness list, uh, but it shows us something about how radical God's kingdom is. So number one, what did the disciples rejoice about? They rejoiced in Jesus' victory over evil and over Satan. Look at verse 17 and 18. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, what's Jesus talking about when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning? There are a number of different theories, but if you look at the original language here, it's actually... Um, an imperfect tense, which is a, a continuous tense, continuous past tense. So what Jesus is saying here is, I kept on seeing Satan fall. And my guess here is what Jesus is saying, as the disciples went out 
and they delivered people from evil. They delivered people from Satan. Every time this happened, every time somebody moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, some of Satan's authority came down. His authority was reduced, and this is what Jesus saw. And it, it is a great privilege for us, too, to see someone held in bondage to something bad, something evil in their life, being set free. Um, as I was preparing, I was thinking of a, a young woman who we knew who was deeply troubled as a result of her connection with the occult. And to cut a long story short, she was set free and completely transformed. It was just such an incredible joy, a joy for her, and it was a joy for us. And this is something that Jesus wants us to be involved in, setting people free. In verse 19, Jesus says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And in this gospel, we've seen time and again that Jesus had authority to set people free. And he says, I'm giving this authority to you as well. And sometimes I think, if we're honest, we find this a little bit scary. And one of the reasons is, I think we have a wrong worldview. We kind of think, we talk, don't we, sometimes about spiritual warfare. And we kind of have a, a vision that we, we've got to kind of fight against Satan. And, and with a bit of luck, we, we, might, we might beat him. And that's not the reality at all. Scripture calls us to, to stand in the knowledge of what Jesus has done and to declare his victory. Listen to Paul's words in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, Satan is a defeated enemy. Now, you may say, hang on a minute, I don't see this. I mean, look at our world today. Look at the Middle East. Satan's having an absolute field day, isn't he? How can we understand what, what this means to say Satan is defeated, was defeated by Jesus on the cross? Well, let me just tell you a little story. I want you to imagine that you have a horrible boss at work who treats you dreadfully. Now, for some of you, that may not take much imagination. Uh, he's always running you down. And to be honest, his treatment of you is abusive. You want to throw in the towel. And then one day, the, the managing director comes into the office and he, he calls you to one side and he says, I am well aware of what your boss is doing to you and many other people. And I have given notice to this guy that he's got to leave by the end of the month. And how would you feel? Boy, you'd be so glad that his days are not yet for now, for maybe two or three more weeks, you've got to put up with this stuff, but he's on his way out. And that's the situation with Satan. His days are numbered. As John tells us in the book of the Revelation, right at, towards the end, 
One day, Satan will be completely removed from the scene and his power, his influence will be finished. And he is a defeated enemy. And when we see people suffering from oppression or injustice or, or when, when we face challenges in our own lives, it may be a sense of darkness or it may be sickness or um, temptations or opposition, we can rejoice because Jesus has won the victory. So no wonder the disciples were full of joy when they helped to set people free from the evil one's power, a reminder of his ultimate fate. However, when we return to the text, we, Jesus, we see that um, Jesus tells the disciples that there's something even greater that they should be rejoicing about. And he tells them and he tells us to rejoice that we are saved for eternity. Look at chapter 10, verse 20. Jesus says, don't rejoice the Spirit, submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And Jesus' description here of um, his people's names being written in a book in heaven is something we see throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament right to the very end of the book of Revelation. And all the people whose names are in this book have the right to enter God's kingdom. Now, I don't know if any of you have uh, voted in local elections or even national elections, but if you do, you'll know that as soon as you arrive at the polling station, there's somebody there with a list of names and addresses, and they will say, what's your name? And in fact, today you have to show your driving license or something to prove who you are. If you're on the list, you're in. You can go into the polling booth and you can vote. And it's the same for the kingdom of God. If our names are in Jesus' book, we can enter the kingdom of God. And the message Jesus is communicating here is very, very simple. He's saying we can rejoice because our destiny is certain. It doesn't depend on how great faith we have. Oh, I don't think my faith is great enough. It doesn't help on how much good stuff we do. And, oh, I forgot to go to food bank last week. Oh, dear, I hope Jesus doesn't come back. I'm going to be in trouble. It doesn't depend on any of those things. It depends only on what Jesus has done. And he makes this promise. This is in John's Gospel. I love these verses. Verses, chapter 10, verse 27 and 28. Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Wow, that's something to rejoice about, isn't it? We are safe in his hands forever. But for some of us, if we're honest, 
you know, we find it hard to sort of look ahead like that because we've got so many things troubling us in our lives at the moment. We may be facing a difficult decision. We just don't know what to do. We may be fed up with our work and all the office politics. We wonder whether we should give up. We don't know what, what career to follow when, when we graduate. We may be struggling with relationship problems. We, we may have a, a loved one who's been given a, a terminal diagnosis. How, how can we cope? One thing we can rely on is that if we follow Jesus, our names are written in heaven. Our future is secure. Now, I don't know if you're a big reader. Do you like thrillers full of unexpected twists? I do. Well, I warn you that if you pick up Jesus' book, in Revelation it's called The Lamb's Book of Life, and you open it up, Wow, you're going to be in for some shocks. <laughs> some of the names in there are going to be quite surprising. And some of the names that aren't in there may also be surprising. Let's read on in our passage and see a little bit about this. See uh, who might be in this book. Look at Luke chapter 10, verses 21 to 24. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said... I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. No one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now, what did Jesus rejoice about? He rejoiced in God's upside-down kingdom. Now, look at those first couple of verses again. Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. In other words, Jesus is saying, knowing what kind of people are written in his book filled him with joy. Now then, uh, do you want to live in Buckingham Palace? you have no hope. <laughs> Do you want to get the keys for a posh house on Door Road? That's the most expensive road in Sheffield. Well, how many of you... Are, no, I better not ask you this question. <laughs> you need to earn hundreds of thousands of pounds a year to afford one of those houses. And you won't do that unless you're really ancient uh, and have lots of degrees and stuff. Um, but Jesus says... Getting into his kingdom is totally different because his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. You, you don't get in by having high position, having, having the wisdom of Solomon, 
by knowing Wikipedia inside out. You don't get in by being filthy rich. In fact, earlier in Luke 6, Jesus, verse 20, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. In other words, entering God's upside-down kingdom doesn't come as a result of anything we do or anything we learn. It's all a question of who we know. Verse 22, Jesus says, no one knows who the Son, that's Jesus, no one knows who Jesus is except the Father. No one knows who the Father is except Jesus and those to whom Jesus chooses to reveal him. The only way to know God is through Jesus. And knowing Jesus as our deepest friend. In verse 21, Jesus tells us that the Father has hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. And loving fathers will always keep their doors open to their children. They don't say, oh, you're not big enough or you're not clever enough to come and sit on my lap. The door is always open. And our Heavenly Father is just the same. If we come before him, not clutching our homework, which we got 100% for, but just empty-handed... He will welcome us. And the truth that, this truth which is the absolute opposite of what the world believes. You will, if you ask people, you know, a question, you know, are, are you going to go to heaven? They say, yeah, I think I'm good enough. It's nothing to do with whether you're good enough. And the, that fact brought Jesus great joy. Because he knew if it was a question of us being good enough... Heaven will be empty. Well, there'll be a few angels fluttering around, but there'll be no people there. Now, earlier on, I read some words from John chapter 10 reminding us that no one can snatch us from the hands of Jesus, our good shepherd. Now, in the same chapter, this is John 10, verse 14, we read this. Jesus says, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And here too, we, we notice that the kingdom of God is for those who know Jesus intimately. Those are the only sure grounds for us to enter but we also see why we have that right to enter the kingdom of God and live with him forever. It's because he laid down his life for us. Jesus said, I lay down 
my life for the sheep. And that's why the door is not open for people who rely on their their status, their wealth, their ability, or anything else. It's for everyone, that includes us, includes the people who are not in church today. It's for everyone, no matter how inadequate or worthless they feel. It's for everyone who says to Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for for cleaning me up so that I can come into the presence of God. Thank you for for writing my name in the book so that I can enter God's presence and enjoy life in all its fullness forever. Now, if, if any of you here today have never accepted this wonderful free offer, which is much better than any offer you will find on the internet, I urge you to go for it. And there's hordes of reasons, and one of them we've seen today, this is not the most important reason, but one of them is that we've seen today that even when we find it hard to feel happy, Jesus offers us inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Because evil and all the works of the evil one, their days are numbered. And he's opened the way for all those who follow him. No matter what their race, their background, their qualifications, to come and live with him forever. There's no greater offer. What a joy. We'd love to invite you to be part of the community at Sheffield Vineyard. You can head to the website and find more information about how you can serve, join a life.